Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, listeners. Uh, thanks, sponsors. Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Several questions here from Stukes Baseball Cards and Curiosities. First, commenting on the 2023 Baseball Card Hall of Fame ballot. He says, why does the size of a card determine if it's a rookie or not? He mentions that 52 tops was bigger than Leaf and Bowman, and that actually was a really big deal in those days. But he specifically mentions the Gehrig exhibit. And I think he thinks that the Gehrig exhibit is very legitimate because he says his dad uh, did not have access to Leaf and Bowman in the early 50s, but he did have ex- access to exhibit cards because he was growing up in, in North Dakota in a small town. Victor Roman has dealt with this. There's not unanimity about rookie cards sometimes. There are some undisputed rookie cards, and then there's some disputed or maybe an asterisk or uh, because the, the attributes of a uh, well-accepted, undisputed rookie card are historically established. And you're right, Stooks, it's probably not including larger format exhibit cards. But for whatever reason, it's caught on. And once the hobby grabs onto something, and it makes sense. The size of the card shouldn't determine, but the way the the exhibits were distributed was different. It So it wasn't pack-pulled, but it was randomly pulled from a machine. It's like you're buying a pack of one. You don't know what you're going to get. You put your nickel or whatever it was in the machine at that time. The other thing that, that Stukes talked about being this uh, Dakota person, he says, I'm calling East Coast bias. <laughs> And you know what? That probably was a thing, uh, Stukes, uh, at least being east of the Mississippi. So no offense to my uh, friends west of the Mississippi, but basically baseball and the hobby and the, the, the card circuit uh, back in the 70s was heavily uh, east coast and Midwest. And pretty much it was mainly the old baseball towns. So I, I think you're onto something there. It's, it seems like it's benign, but it really helped me in doing the price guides when I was, uh, in, in Bowling Green, Ohio. I was in the thick of it. You know, I was in between. I could get to the East Coast really easily. I went to all those shows and then all the shows in Chicago and Detroit and Cincinnati. So I think there is an East Coast bias and you can see it also with the nationals. There's an East Coast bias that it's, it's, uh, it's maybe a more of a Midwestern bias, but the East Coast bias is such the East Coasters don't always want to go to California. They want to be able to jump on a shorter plane or drive their van or their car from the East Coast to Chicago and no further. Anyway, thanks for Gehrig is a great card. It probably is an exception. Okay, another one from Stooks. He says he tends to trust the grading companies on catching the trimmed cards. I promise you they're not catching them all, Stooks. And if they're catching 99, that means they're missing one out of 100. I think the best deceptive trimming, micro-trimming, unfortunately, I believe it's worse than that. Most of the problems of the grading companies, their tolerance is that there's a one in a thousand chance that something's going to get through. But this trimming is a little bit of an epidemic, and I'm hoping that as there's more awareness that the grading companies are being very careful when something comes in, especially if it's too good to be true, that it needs to be measured out. The problem is it could also measure okay because there are cards that are slightly above tolerances when they're printed and originally cut. And if you can just shave something a little off, again, hopefully they're catching that on the edges. There is technology to see if something is a fresh cut and if the trimming device was the same as the device on the other three sides. But he says maybe somebody can create a trimming detection kit for the public. I think there already are 
things like that. But again, not everybody's going to have that. But you have your own trimming detection kit of just taking a card from the same set or a standard side card and just seeing you've got to be very exacting. Just If it's slightly narrower, slightly shorter, I will say this. The grading companies have bounced out cards that were not trimmed because they didn't measure up. So there's two kinds of errors, and that error is happening too. Because that's not fair that you open it up, you get it out of a pack, you take it in, they say, we can't grade that, it's too short. And you just absolutely did not mess with it. I think if you've got a rookie grading company, I'd be more careful than one of the established ones, but none of them are perfect. I think that's unfortunate, but it's still a real card. It's just a real card that has had its grade enhanced by trimming. On the other hand, a reputable uh, dealer or seller is not going to knowingly pass through, I think. Your reputation is too important, but there are dealers that are unbeknownst to them or sellers. I, I didn't know it was trimmed. In fact, if it's slabbed, why would you assume it's trimmed if it's been slabbed by one of the major uh, uh, grading companies? In fact, even in the day, I didn't really buy cards, uh, buy a card. I bought collections. You're rarely going to find one card trimmed out of a collection of a thousand cards. They either trimmed a bunch of them or they trimmed none of them. And so I have some assurance there, but not all my good cards are, are graded. And when I turn some of them in, it, it might be that a couple of them are, are trimmed from 50 years ago. And that will really tick me off, but they're out there. So, And I, I want it to be caught. If it is trimmed, I want them to identify it. Okay, last one from Stukes here, talking about uh, national locations. And it's now established that the vote did go to Chicago, which is pretty hard to beat. But he talks about a lot of people able to commute. And really what we're talking about driving. We're not talking about a flight commute or a train commute. We're talking about jumping in a car and being able to get there reasonably. And so Chicago is about as far west as people want to go. Cleveland is interesting because it's a lot closer to the East Coast, which is still a lot of the people. Then Stukes mentions Indianapolis and Nashville. Here's why, as opposed to Atlanta, as ones that are on the outside looking in, Atlanta did not get enough votes. In fact, it came in third. The last couple of nationals in Atlanta were not, not that great. But that's been a long time, and uh, that's an important thing. Atlanta has a huge airport. It's good and bad, but there's lots of flights going in and out. Way more so than Nashville or Indianapolis. Indianapolis and, and Nashville now are starting to have some really big uh, shows. But still, Atlanta covers a region. Anybody in Florida, Atlanta's a lot closer than any of these others. Part of me says I'd love to see the national move around, but another part of me says the national needs to be a sure thing for the dealers. We need to go to places we shouldn't be experimenting. And in fact, if the Atlanta area gets shows that are thousand tables or something like that and are just standing room only lines around the block that will get the attention of these new promoters for sure we'll see about that a uh, question from jim hansen about the 48 49 leaf baseball with brian Keppel talking about not that but just talking about exhibit cards uh, it, which is in and around that same time frame uh, exhibit cards actually the salutation exhibits were in the late 30s, uh, early mid 40s. But then the, 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 the big set, the conglomerate set of exhibit cards that we've said was 47 to 66, he said it's not that much known about him. Again, I would just refer you to any of the almanacs that, that would all be in there. 
and comment about that. It's actually more than one set, Jim. These these are blank backs, so it's hard. There are a few of them that have like statistics on the back, but the others are just all thrown in that period. It's hard to distinguish when they came out. Uh, although there are pose and player uh, variations, but they're all grouped together. Uh, there's some the, the tough ones are not necessarily the best players because best players were reissued. It's more just obscure guys or guys that were traded, things like that. They were in arca- arcades, so that you weren't buying packs of them. I don't know if people were buying quantities, although there probably were some remainders over the time. But even what is a complete set? I'm not sure, Jim, why they stopped in 66. It may have been they lost their license or they lost interest or they weren't making money because baseball cards were still pretty hot in the 60s. One thing that could have been, though, just to add in here, is that from being involved in printing and paper and all that, is that the exhibit cards, even though the art was not so great and they were in uh, black and white or sepia mostly, but they're way more expensive in terms of the paper. The card stock, uh, the thickness and the size, they're more than twice as big as a card and thicker card stock. Probably was more expensive and that may have been why they stopped. They're interesting sets, but cards, yeah, most people would be more of a player collector than they would be trying to get a complete set unless it came that way. Really difficult and hard to store. Question from Skeppy. Always get great question from Skeppy. He says, what must happen for a card to become obsolete? Okay, and planned obsolescence with cars or golf clubs. They just they don't want them to last forever. They want to come up with new models that have better alternatives. That's really what I think could happen, Skeppy, is cards don't become obsolete as much as there are newer models or different attributes or other pe- things that people are chasing. So you're talking about altered cards. Does that make a card obsolete? When the Pete Rose rookie card 30 years ago, one of that was abundantly reprinted, counterfeited actually that put a chilling effect on the pete rose that anything that gets counterfeited is, is going to put a chilling effect on that card because you have a loss of confidence so the price would drop it doesn't make it valueless but it makes it less valued i don't like that but it's a natural way that the market responds now you've mentioned if something was repeatedly altered or repeatedly faked if there are a lot of fakes out there or a lot of a card that in particular is altered quite a bit, those are very different situations. Fakes need to be completely stomped out. Alterations need to be caught by the grading companies. What I think is going to happen, it's not obsolete, but just on my soapbox here, is that the premiums for high-grade cards are... It's hard for me to make a moral judgment that they're too high because people are paying it, but we've seen scandals in memorabilia where the photo-matched memorabilia, if it's not photo-matched, it's worth X. If it is photo-matched, it's worth 10X. That's too big of a premium. It's too tempting for somebody to... They don't photo-match, they memorabilia-match. In other words, they doctor the photo to make it match that jersey or that whatever it is. The answer to me... Skeppy is not to make it obsolete, but the market forces are going to encourage lower condition premiums that people will be less willing to pay huge premiums for exceptional condition cards that possibly may have been altered and gotten away with it. So I wouldn't pay a huge premium for those things. I think those premiums could go down. That doesn't make it obsolete, but there are other alternatives that might be more attractive. The difference between a 10 and a 9 and an 8 and a 7 and a 6 and a 5 and a 4 on some of these vintage cards is so outrageous that I think what you're saying, Skeppy, is that those premiums will be shrunk. 
in the old days, there were just three categories. You had the regular price of the card, and I'm talking about the 70s now, and if it was in bad condition, maybe it was half off. And if it was in fabulous condition, a real blazer that you could cut butter with it, it would be double. You might try to get double, but this 10X, 100X, things like that would have been unheard of. And then finally, from Mike Steveline, my buddy that does the Baseball Card Hall of Fame and has his own stuff uh, mentions he'd, he'd like me to do some kind of a thousand great cards by me, whereas Mike Payne did that for me or under my employment. Mike's a great guy, did a great book, about 300 great uh, baseball cards. Uh, I'm not going to do a book, Mike. Uh, I'm going to leave that to Mike Payne. Uh, but Mike Steve line, a great idea. In fact, it's such a great idea. I'm already trying to do my version of it because you say you don't, don't want the thousand most expensive cards, just some great cards. Uh, my definition of that is I've, I've got a card wall, and the card wall right now has about a thousand cards on it, and it gets in flux because I'm adding cards and subtracting cards. Now, I'm behind on that, but I do intend, Mike, not to do a book, but to serialize and do some YouTube videos that are pretty basic, but just talk through some of the choices that I have, and it's all in alphabetical order, and I've, I've gotten behind on that. I appreciate the encouragement. Uh, but uh, I will post them as I can, and I'm waiting, again, for BGS because I've got a bunch of them that I'm going to add. And there's some cards in there that are just going to be so much fun to, to, to show off. Again, not because they're valuable, just because I have never seen the card. If, and if I've never seen it, just trust me. Eventually, I'm going to do that, Mike. Thanks for the encouragement, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope you all uh, like it. it. It's not going to be stuffy. It might be slightly more than a 1,000. It might be slightly less. I don't need to publish it. I'm just going to do some YouTube videos, knock out a few of them at a time, and and then when I get feedback, I'll probably do some more. So thanks, everybody. Be back again in a couple of days another episode. The man that-